Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Pai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in DC area. And I'm joined by only one of my co-hosts today. I am Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gay Star News. And it is a bit fateful that Willoughby is not joining us today. Yeah, he's off in New York um, gallivanting across the city and enjoying a viewing of Spongebob musical, which he's been looking forward to for a while now. For a while, yeah. yeah, I'm so excited for him. (laughs) It's going to be good. Um, But he does not quite have the interest in this episode that we do, so it's a bit... It works out that he's not here. So today we are revisiting... Uh, one of our earliest episodes ever of the Millennial Falcon, and that is the movie genre of horror, which, if you might remember, all three of us at the time were not horror fans. We signed it off. We didn't like it. We were scared. We just, horror was not our thing. Lo and behold, both HT and I have delved deep into the horror realm as it were embarked on a horror walkabout (laughs) we have and it has it's been quite an experience and journey for both of us i think um so hd remind people like a few years ago you didn't like horror Mm -hmm. and why was that uh because i'm like the biggest scaredy cat in the world so i have a very overactive imagination often i will just like be sitting in a room usually a dark room, and just, like, scare myself. And uh, I could not really stand the prospect of being scared for fun, for entertainment. And uh, there were a couple, like, movies that I had had crossed paths with that were horror films and just, like, left a a sour taste on my mouth. Um, One such one was the uh, Halloween remake, uh, which came out in, like, I can't remember what year. It was, like, the early 2000s. And I was watching it with a group of my high school friends. And I was not really on board to watch it. I wasn't really crazy about watching, like, a gory slash slasher film. And my friends just, like, forced me to watch it. Like, they even, like, held me down and, like, like opened my that's eyes, terrible. like, that's, that's Clockwork oh. Orange style. And I was like, this is the worst experience of my life. That's terrible. It was just, like, it was gruesome and bloody for like no reason at all and it was also incredibly sexual and i felt like it was just very misogynistic very like insulting piece of entertainment (laughs) um and i just like did not pick up the horror genre ever since then because i always assumed like horror was kind of all the same it was like either slashers or jump scares uh or anti-women sort of films and i kind of didn't want to subject myself to that um, and also, like, yeah. I'm also incredibly scared of ghosts. And <laughs> another one is, like, kind of another kind of thing I can trace back to is my fear of this movie, which is a strange movie to be scared of. But when I was young, when I was, like, five years old, I saw a leprechaun. I mean, <laughs> and as a five-year-old. That- as a five-year-old, it was really scary. So it's a really – so leprechaun is a campy – just like a super campy film about like a murderous leprechaun i don't know but um it just terrified me so much that i was scared that he would pop up at like every window i was in and just like you know attack me so it was just a combination of overactive imagination and watching movies that really i did not enjoy and i thought that were antithetical to like the kind of movies that i wanted to see that really put put me off horror for a while um, yeah, I am the same exact way. Mine was overactive imagination. I would literally go to bed at night, it'd be dark in my room, and my brain would not stop thinking 
about horror images. Like, it just, it could not, it could not turn off, and I'd have to, like, turn a light on to go to bed, or put a movie on in the background. Like, my brain just would not let me have peace. Um, and then I also noticed the misogynistic elements, and, like, I read about those tropes and the history of them, and I was like, oh, horror, not for me. And I admit part of that also stemmed from, I, I, I admit to being a slightly snobbish person, um, and so, like, my experience with horror and knowing that there are misogynistic elements and everything, I was like, ugh, this genre is less, lesser than <laughs> the other genres I love. And you could see it from the horror movies that I did like, the few that I did like before, like, I came into my current phase with, like, Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. And I was like, ah, oh, but it's, like, gothic literature and gothic romance. So it's not just, it's more than horror. Like, I had that mm-hmm. mindset. And then I loved Cabin in the Woods. But I was like, oh, but it, like, it completely um, subverts all the horror tropes. So that's why it's better, because it's, like, commenting on bad horror tropes. So I was like, it knows that horror is bad. That's why it's good. So, yeah. So mine was a mixture of fear and snobbery. <laughs> Mine was a straight up fear. And like slight yeah. snobbery, but like mostly fear. Like I still nowadays like have really terrifying dreams. Apropos of nothing, where like people get bisected in my dreams. And, like, <laughs> so, <laughs> or like I uh, have like random thoughts when I'm going down the stairs and I'm holding like a fork. And I'm like, what will happen if I fall and like impale myself on this oh fork? God. This is a prevailing okay, fear my, of mine. My brain doesn't go there. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really prevailing fear of mine. Like either it's a fork or a pen. And I'm like, man, it would really suck if I fall so? right now and the fork like oh goes my through my eye. And like I actually like when I was thinking this once, I like slipped and I was like, oh my god, it's happening. You were like, I saw my life flash before my eyes. <laughs> exactly. That's I'm very paranoid like that. I don't know why oh that happens. God. It's just like, it's morbid thoughts I, that cross I mean, my mind. fear is such a, such a, I don't know what's the word I want, but like it's such an irrational thing, but it's so like strong within us. Like I feel like it just gets our adrenaline going and we just can't really like let go of it or stop it mm-hmm. when it happens. I remember you said Leprechaun, my, my version of Leprechaun was not the movie, but was a single scene from The Exorcist. I saw... One scene from that movie was oh. the crucifix scene Oh, when I was younger, and it traumatized me. It, it Not only was it scary, it was disturbing, and it just... Huh. And so I, I swore I would never watch that film. I was like, nope, nope, nope. Guess what, friends? I have since seen that film. And you know what? Everyone's always like, it's so funny now. And I disagree. What? Who I says think, it's every- funny? Everyone thinks it's funny now because the effects have become older. Oh, I disagree. The effects have really held up. I I feel like the effects have held up. They're impressive. And I didn't realize how sad the movie was. Like, I didn't realize, like, the emotional, like, storyline that was there. And I was like, this is actually a pretty good movie. It's a great film. It's like, you know, it it was nominated for many Oscars for a reason. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a good, really epic film i think yeah like it's interesting to me because it's such a like restrained movie really really more about um the priest i forgot his name but grappling with his faith and you see him for the majority of the film and the horror elements don't really um like enter until like two-thirds of the way through it's really about building that that story and that suspense and not really even like building suspense in a really um standard way that horror movies do but it's kind of like 
almost happening in the background and then you have like random bursts of just like violence and and uh like extreme disturb like unsettling parts throughout mm-hmm. the film and then like you have that famous scene i also think that people think it's funny because of like the more campy sort of sequels that happen because yeah. like I was telling my my aunts about seeing The Exorcist for the first time and how I really enjoyed it and how uh, like prestigious and beautiful it is. And they're like, "Really? I always remember it as being really campy and like it's kind of silly and stuff." I'm like, "That's not the case at all. No, like, it's not. It's like on par with like The Shining, for example, which is held as like a piece of high art and a really creepy, unsettling thing. And even though it's made in the seventies, yeah, seventies, mm-hmm. the eighties, it isn't considered like." to be aged differently just because it's so cinematic and like visually stunning yeah so yeah i don't I know why people think agree. of the exorcist that way that's so strange to <laughs> i me. know i was very impressed by it and i thought only for the first time this year so i liked it yeah um so that's where we stood with horror and now we are both willingly watching horror movies at home in theaters we're writing about them we're discussing them so how did you get to this point how did you go from no horror to letting horror into your life. I can probably pinpoint it to The Witch, actually. That, so that was a film that came out two years ago. And that was when I was starting to get into film writing and really follow the film sort of stratosphere and everything like that. And I heard people talking about The Witch so much. They were buzzing about it. And I felt a little bit left out because I knew it was a horror film. I didn't want to watch it. But at the same time, people were raving about it and talking about how it's just like this sort of amazing, like groundbreaking film. So I, I gave in, ended up watching it, and I loved it. So it's a film that wasn't, I don't, I don't want to call it like typical horror films, but like typical in terms of what I thought a horror film would be. Yeah. It's really a moody period piece that preys on the paranoia of both the characters and yourself and your own sort of like expectations for how this film will go. And I really like that. I really love character driven drama. And I like that it's all about the characters first and about building this atmosphere that I really enjoy. And um, how the ending was really unconventional, too. It was just kind of like, it's a lot of, like, now I think there's, like, almost a trend for, like, sat- sat- Satanism to be, like, the, the twist at the end. I'm, there like, kind of is. There kind of is. And I really yeah. like that. It was really, like, amazing to me. I was just like, wow, that's really cool. It's, like, it's, the comment is very, like, metatextual and everything. But, um, so I realized that, like, wow, so this is what horror is now. Like, maybe I should give it a chance more than just, like, jump scares and everything like that. And I realized that I, I was, as I was watching it, I, like, started to, like, dig in more to, like, other films that I'd maybe, like, brushed off. So, like, The Ring, for example. I had watched the original Japanese Ring, and mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I expected the Sadako part, the part where she comes out of TV, like, really soon, and, like, a lot of gore and a lot of just, like, splatter fest and stuff. But really, it was just about building the mood. Nothing really happens for, like, the entire film. Yeah. Like, literally, it just, like, leaves you on edge. And it's about creating that unsettling atmosphere that, you know, like, you feel like you have a pit in your stomach. And I like, I like that feeling. And I, I don't really know how I explain it. How I can explain it other than, like, it does leave you, like, I don't know, with a different experience than just watching a movie that you are, like, not really paying attention to or just, like, a movie that you know will entertain you. It's, like, it challenges you. And that's what yeah. I think I really liked about, like, these kind of horror films. And I felt like there was a, I felt like I was seeing, like, a new trend in, like, 
new horror that was trying to say something about horror. So you're seeing movies like The Witch, uh, It Follows, The Babadook, that all horror, these horror like villains and monsters stood for something else. And I really like that. I think that was like really cool thing. And I like that there was like deeper layers to these kind of things other than just like the monster of the week. Although it kind of ties back to my love for Buffy too because all the monsters of the weeks stood for something mm-hmm. else. So I was just like, I was getting to The Witch. I was getting to a lot of A24 horror, like, it Comes at Night was Naturally. one of my favorite movies last year. And it just kind of eventually built to that. And I really loved It. It was the movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. <clears throat> it's good. It's, it's another movie that's, where it's kind of like basically just like a coming of age movie with horror yeah. elements. And I yeah, really I mean, I definitely that. want to see it. I mean, partly because I'm getting into this whole horror thing, but also because I'm like, man, the cast for the sequel. I gotta check it out. Yeah. I was like, Bill Hader, James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, sign me up. I think you would really like it. Like it yeah. is basically just it has a lot of elements of stand my by me, for example. Okay. Very Stephen King. I mean, it's Stephen King, so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you, I can see that like why that's the case. Why it be, it's such a like prevailing popular film and story. Yeah. So I don't know. I felt like I was see, seeing like this new side of horror that I never understood before, or like I thought it was new, but it was actually something that had built been built into the genre for a while, especially once I started diving into the older works. And um there's been like this term going around called like elevated horror. And now horror is like becoming more accepted to people because they think of it as trying to say something and trying to um be something more than just horror which i was i'm guilty of feeling at the beginning as well but as i started yeah. to dive into horror more i realized that this element has been there all along and like categorizing things something as horror or not horror or elevated horror is kind of like a false pair like false comparison essentially so that's kind of how it started. And I kind of, I after I saw It, I started diving into this column for Slash Film called The Final Girl, which is like a little play on tropes, play on the trope of the final girl in horror, which is usually the the lead virginal girl who survives at the end because she is chaste and pure and the ideal of our, all of our societal values in women. Uh, but it was really interesting to me, like watching like these kind of movies, realizing that the final girl is more than just a collection of its tropes. Like, for example, the first final girl, Laurie Strode in Halloween, is actually not what I expected the final girl to be. She was her own person, and she was really interesting and more so than just, like, you know, her versional aspects. So I'm I'm rambling a lot just because, like, this is my, like, year-long journey with horror, and this is kind of all I've come to think and expect of horror and it's really it's a genre that keeps surprising me and a genre that I'm finding more interesting facets and folds inside um and I'm sad that up until now I've kind of like shut myself off to this genre just because it it offers so much it's more than just like it's more than slashers it's more than jump scares it's more than ghost stories it can go from the gothic horror that I really enjoy and really love gothic horror is the best let's be real I'm still gonna be a snob about some things and (laughs) Crimson Peak, all those gothic horror movies, like, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. I really love gothic horror because, like, I grew up loving gothic romance, which essentially is horror with, like, more romantic elements. You cannot tell me that Wuthering Heights is not a horror novel. Oh, because it, is, a horror it novel. is. I mean, yeah. It's for, like, a lot of, for a lot of reasons, not just the ghosts, but also because, like, Heathcliff in general. He's a serial, well, not serial killer, but he's, like, he's basically... He's a- He's a special one. Yep. He's a monster. He basically is. He's the monster of the book, essentially. He is, yeah. Revenge is the ultimate devil. 
the demon that we fight. <laughs> oh, deep on yeah, exactly. That's what we're doing here. So, like, <laughs> I've always been really attached to gothic horror and gothic romance. I love Jane Eyre growing up. I love Rebecca. I love um, Beauty and the Beast, and all of these have elements of horror in them, uh, especially with like kind of how it com- comments on Victorian society and how like it pushes the elements of feminism and other like unseemly elements to the back and turns them into like the monsters essentially yeah Ooh, yeah this is a fun it's a fun this conversation fun, right? <laughs> yeah i'm yeah i'm so excited we've both gotten into this kind of together because we've been able to like experience it together mm-hmm. and hg and i will like often share our thoughts on horror movies together and it's been fun having someone who's like in the same place i am yeah um because mine so my introduction into horror and like opening my arms up to it actually came from friends so like mm-hmm. I did not sort of willingly subject myself to this I currently live with two wonderful women who are both big horror lovers they adore horror movies and I was like one of which we had on our first podcast right or was that someone else no that no. was someone else okay. she does not live with me but she's a friend of mine okay but she does love horror mm-hmm. but yes my two current mates and I was like oh great this is gonna be fun movie nights are gonna be all horror wonderful um but luckily, my roommate Dana had the smart idea of showing me good feminist horror movies first. So she eased me into horror by making me watch Your Next and It Follows, which terrified me but was so good. And Dana's right here. What else did you show me, Dana, at the beginning of my horror journey? Really great movies. Paranormal Activity, which scared the living daylights out of me. I don't know if I want to see it. It's It's so scary, but it's brilliantly made. Okay. Um, I don't know. Those are the big ones. Like, You're Next, It Follows, Paranormal Activity, Final Girls. Mm. So she showed me all these horror movies with that weren't like what I thought of as typical horror and had like strong female leads and everything. And so I kind of, like you, I saw that horror could be something else. Um, and now I do want to go back and see some of the more classics like Halloween and Friday the 13th. I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street and see some of the more classic ones. But once I once I let go of my stobby thoughts and open my mind to the idea that, oh, horror has a multitude of what it can be, I was like, okay. So that happened. And then we started watching more and more horror movies in our house. And I would... You know, I'd be scared, but I would do it. Um, And then two things happened. One, I stopped scaring myself at night. (laughs) I don't know how. I don't know if it was just a mind over matter thing, but I would go to bed and I would no longer, like, think about scary things. I would just be able to go to bed. I don't know how that happened. Tell me how you do it, Anya, because I still get scared. I don't know. Like, for the longest time after It Follows... I would imagine those people like in my room and I was so scared. And then like months later, I, I guess I, as I watched more and more horror movies, I just let go of those thoughts. I don't know how. I see. That still hasn't happened to me. Like I watched Hereditary this year and I loved it, but I had nightmares for like two weeks. Yeah. And it was like Tony Collette coming to my room and attacking me. Right. I, yeah, I don't do that anymore. And I'm like, thank goodness. I don't know how it happened, but like, I'm so grateful. Um, and then I also realized like you, I love characters. And I realized that a way for me to enjoy slash cope with horror movies was to get attached to the characters, which is probably not a good idea. Because they all, like, not a lot of them survive, yeah. 
But like, so we watched The Purge Anarchy, which I have talked about. Willoughby does not believe me. <laughs> but that movie is about a found family. Oh, that's your favorite thing. And it's about people adopting each other and like saving each other from horrible murderers. And I was like, I love this. And then we watched The Conjuring 2. And once again, I just became very attached to the characters. And they survive like, at the end, though. They do. And they're so great. And I loved The Crooked Man. I can't wait for The Crooked Man spinoff. I'm like so excited. I don't know based... what that movie is. Oh, okay. have you seen Conjuring 2? I haven't seen any of the Conjuring movies, actually. I, okay. I'm very intrigued by the, their like cinematic universe that they've built. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen The Conjuring 2, so... Um, but in The Conjuring 2, there's uh, one of the villains is called the Crooked Man, mm-hmm. um, and he's really cool because he looks like a Guillermo del Toro creation, Ooh, mm-hmm. but what's even cooler is that he stems from, like, a Middle English poem. Like, that's where he was first ever, like, oh, conceived. Interesting. And so they took him from that, and so they're going to make a spinoff, kind of like with the nun and Annabelle and stuff. Ah. And I'm, like, so excited because, again, it's the whole period, like, stems in history. So mm-hmm. I'm all, <laughs> that snobbiness is still coming back because I'm like... He's a historical figure. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, like, my my attachment to horror has actually bec- come from, like, becoming more pretentious about it in that I really like, well, you know, like, I was saying how I really like horror with meaning, but I really like to, like, read too much, too deeply into a lot yes. of these horror films. Like, for example, before I actually got into horror, I really loved the Swedish film, um, Let the Right One In. Mm-hmm. which is yeah. a vampire film, essentially, but a really good, also coming-of-age, loss-of-innocence film, and really cold and really, like, stark, but just, like, so good. And I, like, did so much reading into it. I talked about, like, how the child and, like, the distortion of our our their sexuality and how, like, they stay the same age as a vampire, but in, in that they're a perversion of nature and that kind of stuff. I wrote a whole paper about it. It was really fun. I love this. <laughs> so, like... When I do deep dives into that, it makes me enjoy horror more, and that's like a super pretentious way of saying it. But it's like, it's like what you were saying before about how they, like it offers more and more layers than I really anticipated. I mean, we should probably just like admit that we can be a little pretentious and a little snobby, and that's just who we are. Yeah, and we don't mean anything wrong by it. We just we are those people <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah, yeah, and I think. But I, this also shows, like, the danger of, like, being snobby or something, because I let that kind of close my mind to the idea that horror was more than what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And now I've finally seen that, like, it is so much more. Um, and I've seen some really great movies that are horror movies in the past couple of years, and I'm really grateful that I've been able to experience them and that horror movies are coming out now that I'm looking forward to. There's one coming out with Dan Stevenson. <laughs> it's going to be a Netflix film that also stars Michael Sheen. It's about a cult. I'm so excited. Oh, wow. It's called Good the, cast. It's called The, the Apostle. And oh, Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens enters the cult and that's led by Michael Sheen. Mm. And I'm like, ooh, good British actors, a horror film, my one true love. <laughs> Stan like, Stevens. Stand even. I wonder, like, a few years ago if I would have watched this just for him, if I would have, like, braved horror. But now I'm like, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's going to exactly. be great. Yeah. What I like about horror is just, like, how flexible it is as a genre. And, like, we're saying, we've been saying this, but it's not one thing. It's something for everyone, whether you like a gothic uh, romance, whether you like, you know, fantasy, whether you like, um, 
you know, teen movies, whether you like coming of age films, whether you like something else, I don't know, everything, like historical films even. It's just like it can really meld meant like merge it with any other genre and become something else and something different and like add another sort of layer of of meaning or depth or just like a fun twist on a on a type of story that we've seen before yeah yeah um so what have been some of your favorites that you've you've mentioned kind of the witch and it comes at night Mm -hmm. so what have been some that have made the biggest impact on you that you've kind of you're grateful that you've opened yourself to horror and that you've now seen so I really loved The Exorcist. That was a film that like I just like went to one of the top to the top of the horror films that I've seen, and even maybe like of the films in general, just because it's such a well-made, beautiful, really interesting, really multifaceted film. And also, I wrote like a big paper about how it is a big um, <laughs> it's commentary on feminism and the post and the second wave feminist wave and that kind of stuff. Nice, yeah. It was really fun. See, I love it. Bring feminism into it, and I'm like, sign me up. Yeah. Um, I really liked uh, Dawn of the Dead. Oh, no. Wait. I've already seen that. What was the one? The first one. Night of the Living Dead. Sorry. Yes. Night of the Living Dead was the first one, and that one I really enjoyed. I haven't seen that one yet, but I want to. I actually watched it on YouTube because it's all available on YouTube, and it's like, the quality is fine, but like, it is a powerful film, and it really gets into issues of race, which I did not expect. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's, sometimes it feels kind of like play acty because it's just like a, a closed room film, essentially, and it has some actors who I felt were very theatrical, but the main actor, who I can't remember now is the, the name of, but he played Ben, the main character who is African-American, he is so good and natural, and it has just, like, it, it's such a good, powerful film. Um, what else? Uh, I really enjoyed, I mean, I went to back to the beginning as well and watched very gothic films, Frankenstein, uh, and um, that was something I really enjoyed as well. Um, other horror films. I loved Hereditary. Yes. The A24 so films. Um, so there's a film I watched recently that I don't know if I will call it my, one of my favorites, but it left a big impact on me. And it's a really disturbing film, but I want to, I don't know if I want to give a shout out to it just because it disturbed me so much. <laughs> I'm just going to like mention it. Yeah. So it's a Turkish film called Baskin, which is like shook me to my core, but I'm still thinking about it now. So it, it definitely left an impact on me. I don't know if I liked it or not. I kind yeah. of both loved and hated the experience, but I feel like that's a lot of what watching horror is these days. You just kind of, it's, it, it, loose, it loses so many different kind of emotions from you. And that's really interesting to me. Um, what else? I can't think of any more off the top of my head, but Anya, why don't you go and I'll think of some more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely some of the ones you've mentioned. I have not, unfortunately, gone back yet. I really want to watch some of the old classic Universal movies like Frankenstein and Dracula and Phantom of the Opera. Um, And then go to, like, the whole, like I said, Halloween, that era. Um, But in more recent ones that I've seen and that I've loved, I loved The Babadook. Its exploration of grief was so profound for me. Like, the end of that movie... I don't want to spoil it, but the end of that movie, like, I love it so much because of what it says about grief and the idea that grief never really goes away and how it can kind of take hold of you. Um, so that one made a huge impression on me, um, and I loved it. Um, I mentioned Your Next is really great. I love its commentary on, like, class um, and also women, which is wonderful. Um <laughs> 
All my comments about snobbery, let's just throw them out the window because the big thing that kind of transformed my love of horror was Evil Dead. You have to talk about your love for Evil Dead because I think it's hilarious how I attached you are lo- to this Oh my franchise. god. Guys, this franchise is like everything to me. I love it so much. Um... So my roommate and I randomly watched the movie trilogy one weekend in October last year. And we watched the first movie and I was so confused because the first movie is a straight horror film. And I had always known Evil Dead as the, like, the comedy franchise, the comedy horror franchise with like a guy who had like a chainsaw arm and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the first film is not comedic. <laughs> and I was like, what? But I still really enjoyed it. It has some problems. The tree rape scene. Which is awful. At least, though, um, <laughs> the director now very much regrets it, which I appreciate. He's talked about it openly, and he was like, I would never do that again, blah, blah, blah. Which is why I hate that the remake includes it, because it's like, like if you're going to remake it, you acknowledge that that was problematic and don't include it, but it did. Yeah. I hated the remake. The remake was awful. Um, but so I watched it, and I enjoyed it, and I was like, man, I love Bruce Campbell. I've loved Bruce Campbell since... I was a child because he was in Hercules' Legendary Journeys. Of course. This is he played Auto- such a huge reason for the love of Bruce I Campbell. I know. He played Autolycus, <laughs> and I was like, I love him. And then now I know him as Ash, and he's great as Ash, and he is very good looking. Um, and so then we watched the second one. And the second one, if you don't know, is basically a satirical remake of the first one. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. It's like meta. It's like a sequel, so but a remake. the exact same plot? That- of the first one? More or less. But it's just like, they just do a satire of it. That's, that's And the really second funny. one is where he gets his chainsaw arm. <laughs> um, and it's hysterical. And then the third movie, he gets sent back in time to like the Middle Ages. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's so much fun. And there is so much love. Like you, when it's one of those movies where like the franchise where you watch it and like they know they're being ridiculous and they commit to it and they love it and you love it. And so from there, I watched the Star series, which... I'm still not over that it got canceled. I'm, like, heartbroken. Um, but the Star series was also so great, so committed to its camp, over-the-top ridiculousness. Like, there was a fight with undead people in a sperm bank in one of the episodes. I'm not kidding. It was hysterical. I need like, to watch this. That's the franchise, <laughs> and it's amazing. And Ash is such a wonderful character. And, again, I think... I think what evil dead showed me is like their love of horror and how it could be translated on screen and you just feel their passion for it. And so like I felt it and I fell in love with it and evil dead. I could probably say that it's my favorite horror franchise. I think of all time evil dead is very beloved for me. I have an Ash pop vinyl. Oh my God, of course you do. I do. I have the one from the third movie army of darkness where he's back in time because for most of that movie, his shirt is all ripped, and he's really buff. So I was like, mm-hmm. And he's like, there's a weird evolution when you watch Evil Dead, where you, like, look at Bruce Campbell's Ash, and he gets bloodier and bloodier, and you wonder, is he still just attractive in blood, or is he more attractive covered in blood? I think I saw you tweet that at one point. I did. I did. Um, so that was a long-winded way of saying Evil Dead really... I think uh, as much as I was kind of opening myself to new horror films and being willing to watch them, Evil Dead was the first time I really embraced horror Mm. for what it was. And now I'm like, 
not just willing, but I'm excited oh. to watch more. So Evil Dead is very special for me. Nice. I have a few more, of course. They're all new yeah. films, and I feel like that's a sort of a byproduct of me just like getting we're into horror now. Yeah, yeah we are. Anytime. Um, get Out, of course. Uh-huh. Yes. Which is like the the tip, the epitome of all we've been talking about, and that like there is social elements, a social thriller. Mm-hmm. It means something else, but also has all the tropes of horror and kind of play, plays with it and makes fun of it in almost a way. Um, and then I really liked it, of course. Um, I had another one. Oh, Green Room in my sort of like A twenty four binge. Green Room is really good, um, and I really enjoyed that as as a more. It's kind of like more of a thriller as well too, and I like that sort of thriller and horror is can be intertwined so much um yeah i feel like i'm really enjoying the a24 uh output i really like what they do with horror Mm -hmm. even though that like it kind of feeds into the argument of elevated horror which i know a lot of horror buffs hate but it's the kind of horror that i really like that really appeals to me when something means something and i know it's pretentious but yes <laughs> i mean but it's still like very us mm-hmm. we like it i was gonna say like a recent film i watched that i i loved i had to like grapple with watching it so i watched rosemary's baby mm. and i loved it Ooh. and i like hate to say that because roman polanski yeah. and at first i was like you know i i, I went in like, constantly being like, this is a Roman Plansky film, this is a Roman Plansky film. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's such a good movie. I need to watch it. It has it. such a good commentary on the agency over women's bodies. Ooh. And it's so well made. Like, you would love it because it's, like, it's feminist, but it's also very moody. Like, there's not, it's not really horror so much as, like, that dread and that paranoia. Mm-hmm. And it, like, builds its aesthetic so well. Uh, Mia Farrow is incredible in it she is wonderful yeah i remember some people talking about rosemary's baby recently and speaking about how it's hard to sort of consolidate the fact that it was made by roman polanski and it's it's such a really powerful progressive film it really is it's Mm. i know we might not be able to believe that but like it is Spend, it's so good. Most because like a lot of films still make reference to it, and like Mother, for example, which is a movie I have a love hate relation- relationship with. Well, not even mm-hmm. love hate. I was kind of just like okay on it until Darren Aronofsky started talking, and I was like, no, <laughs> let me have my reading about it. I like my reading better than yours. Fair. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I'm really excited to see more of horror now. I'm I'm just like I feel like I've opened up a whole new world to myself, and I feel like you feel the same way, Anya. Exactly. I also want to give a shout out to A Quiet Place, which oh, is so good. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about, too. A Quiet Place. Yes. So good. So good. And again, it shows, like, what horror can be and how it can be unique and different. And, like, how horror, it almost feels like horror kind of like animation is one of those genres where you can do almost anything with it. It's almost limitless. Yeah. Actually, I was going to say that, too. You read my mind. Great minds think alike. Yeah, it's like how a lot of people are very um, reluctant to get into anime, for example, because they all think they think it's all the same. When mm-hmm. it's just like a huge variety, limitless potential of genres, stories, characters that really you get with like every other genre as well. It's just a medium, yeah. and horror, even though it is a genre, feels like a sort of launch pad for those other types of stories. That agreed. Can be mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Completely agreed. Um, so yeah, so that's where I am at horror now, and I'm excited to see what comes next. 
in our viewing journey. Yeah, and it's the end of August now. The leaves are starting to fall. The air is getting crisper, at least on the East Coast. California, but (laughs) unfortunately. So consider this our our early Halloween gift. Yes. Uh, Halloween in August. (laughs) Exactly. And um, we'll be, I I don't know if you're going to listen to this episode, but we miss you and we miss your insights on on horror, which are mostly, uh, I'm not going to watch that. (laughs) Which are mostly like, and I will say like, Willoughby hasn't ventured into this, but, like, I also still have my lines that I draw with horror. Like, there are still some horror movies I will never watch, just on principle and on kind of, like, I have zero interest. Like, Yeah, there are still aspects of horror I'm I'm uh, hesitant to get into, or even I don't really want to. Slashers yeah, are still really I not won't. my thing. Yeah, for me, it's like the torture porn stuff. Yeah, I will oh, never, and I have porn. no interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holds nothing for me, but... Luckily, like we said, horror is a great big world, and there's a lot more to enjoy in it. Exactly. All right. Uh, so while we ha- now that we finished our discussion on horror, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, why don't you start us off today? What do you really like this week? All right, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction of horror um so everyone's been enjoying the netflix rom-com to all the boys i loved before thank goodness it is a perfect film watch it a million times it's so good watched it twice already good same now if you would still like to keep the romance genre going but you kind of want a new story i have a movie for you and it's also a netflix film ignore its terrible title Because the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is a delightful film. I immediately knew that you were going to recommend that. Okay. I'm biased. It's a period drama. It's a romance. It's about books. And it stars Lily James. There's no way I was not going to love this film. Like, it was, like, impossible for me unless they, like, royally screwed it up. It, I love this. It was made for me. So, a terrible title aside, this movie is based on the real-life story of this group of people who lived on the island of Guernsey uh, off of England during World War II. And they, basically, the Nazis came and they had an occupation on their island. And they coped with this occupation and everything that it brought with it by creating what's called the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which is where they read books and made potato peel pie pie. <laughs> which is literally just pie made of potatoes because the Nazis took all their food and gave oh. them basically only potatoes. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so the story comes from Lily James' character, who is a writer, and she discovers this group, and she goes to the island to meet them, and she wants to write about them, and she discovers their story and what they experienced during the war. And it's just, it's very, it's predictable. It's charming. It talks a lot about the power of books, which I will never say no. Like that will always work on me. Right. That message is always good. Um, And it's just, it's really pretty and lovely. And Lily James is, I gushed about her and Mama Mia and I will gush about her forevermore, but she is a ray of sunshine. She's so effortless to watch. So my only concern with that movie was the male lead. 
who played Dario Naharis in um, Game of Thrones, the second Dario, really. Yes. And, and like, he was in uh, Black... Oh, what's that clone show? I forgot it for a second. Oh, um... Orphan Black. Yeah, Orphan Black. And I never really found him appealing, but does he does he work in this film? He works. He works for me a lot. I think the earnest period drama hero works for him way better than like a Dario sort of character. Mm-hmm. Like it's very different. Um, and it, it, for me, it really works because he just has that kind of charm and that twinkling eye and he and Lily James have great chemistry. So <clears throat> I would give it a shot. Um, keep your mind open to him. Like I said, it's very predictable, but that's okay. Cause I just period dramas are one of my favorite genres of film in the whole world and I will always watch them and always love them. So I'm going to recommend that movie. Ignore its terrible title and give it a shot. It's so good. All right. Speaking of favorite genres that I will love uh, unconditionally, the romantic comedy is back, y'all. I'm so happy. Uh, I was able to see Crazy Rich Asians, To All the Boys I Loved Before, and my most recent film, Juliet Naked, all in the same month. And I'm thriving right now. I'm thriving. I'm so happy. So, my really like this week is Juliet Naked. Uh, I want to see this so bad. I love so much. Anya, I love it. It's okay. (laughs) So, it's based on a book by Nick Hornby, who also wrote uh, other classics like About a Boy, High Fidelity. And it stars Rose Byrne, Ethan Hawke, and Chris O'Dowd. Um, Rose Byrne is a British woman in a small town who's stuck in like this long-term relationship with Chris O'Dowd's character who is obsessed with this um, mysterious, long-disappeared American rock musician named Tucker Crow, who is Ethan Hawke's character. And um, one day they come upon a demo of Tucker Crow's first album and Rose Byrne's character, Annie, writes a scathing review of it on Chris O'Dowd's forum. Yes! Which catches the attention of the real-life Tucker Crow. They start a really cute email pen pen pal affair. there's a correspondence! I already love it. Yes! And um, uh, shenanigans ensue. Tucker Crow comes over to England and they meet and fall in love. But it's not just a romance. It's actually, it's a really wonderful um, sort of, a, I don't want to say, like adult drama kind of about Tucker Gross' character and how he is sort of living with all these regrets of that he has, that he, of choices he made as, you know, a rock musician, the drugs, the alcohol, and the, like, dozens of children that he fathered. Well, maybe not dozens, about, like, oh my gosh. five children he fathered. And he's really coming to terms with the fact that he is, like, a deadbeat dad, and he's a has-been and washed up. And it's a really interesting layered performance from Ethan Hawke, who, you know, I also love unconditionally, thanks to his roles in the Before series, my favorite mm-hmm. movies of all time. And he, I feel like this is a, a really, another really great addition to his repertoire because it feels almost like meta, a meta commentary on his own career and like him looking back on his career and his former days as like a 90s heartthrob and kind of coming to terms with the fact that like he is older and not so much the wiser, but also just like, there's a real melancholy to his performance, which I really loved. I feel and, like melancholy is a thing that Ethan Hawke has down pat. Yes, which is why I love him so much because you know I of love course. my melancholy. You do. <laughs> 
And this movie has a perfect amount of melancholy, authenticity, and you know the, the cute romances as well. I I loved it so much. I'm just I'm just so giddy after seeing it. I just came back from screen, seeing it this morning. Ah oh, man, Anya, I think you'll love it. Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard great things. I really want to see it. I'm just I'm also like you. I'm living for all the romance. Yes, right now, whether it's rom coms or period dramas or whatever, I'm just like yes, like romance is alive and well. And I really like that all the romantic comedies we've seen have a little more substance to them. Um, even like the cheesiest ones, like To All the Boys I Love Before, which is based off a YA romance novel, it has a little substance because of like the charm and charisma of its actors. Peter Kavinsky, who is Peter Kavinsky, <laughs> I, we are allowed to have a crush on because he is 22 years old. The actor he's 22. Was, he is an adult. It's all right. He's fine. <laughs> um, there's really interesting articles about how he is like the new kind of romantic lead because he is sensitive and compassionate and more than just like the bad boy with a with a soul. He's the Mark Ruffalo. He's the Mark Ruffalo, exactly. And uh, Crazy Rich Asians has so much substance as well, dealing with Asian American identity, the diaspora, and I really like the the substance that. Um, Juliet Naked has because it could have been just like a fluffy, shallow, like rom com, something like you know. Some, sometimes indie films have a pretension of sadness when really it's not really about anything. It's just kind of being about angstiness. But I feel like this movie had something to say, and I like that a lot. So yeah, Juliet Naked is great. Just watch awesome. rom com. All right. So if you guys have any thoughts on on the one hand horror and on the other hand romance. With movies like Juliet Naked or the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Come chat with us. And where can they chat with us, HT? Do you know? I do know. So, uh, you can find us online at millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can find us on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We're on Facebook, Millennial Falcon Podcast. And we are also on iTunes and Google Play. And where can they find you, Anya? You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter. And you can find me at htranbui on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.